Welcome back to StatZone Inside Tech Podcast. Today's discussion is all about the EV industry and its impact on our energy grid. Joining us here is Kedar Balasubramanian, a product manager from the company GridX, and also a true enthusiast when it comes to energy and technology. Welcome to StatZone, Kedar. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Please let us know more about yourself. Yep, sure. Uh, Kedar Balasubramanian. Uh, an energy engineer by by education uh, and really, uh, like you mentioned, uh, a true fan of, of the energy transition. Uh, I have been working in the energy field in Europe for the last couple of years, and I had a quick st- short stint in India as well before that. Uh, and I primarily work on, on the uh, demand side, so basically close to the consumer level on the home energy management space currently. Yeah, welcome on my behalf also. And yeah, uh, CritX, uh, where you work, uh, I'm familiar with it through a lot of uh, interesting industry insights you guys published, but maybe you could tell us a little bit of what GridX uh, does exactly. Absolutely. So GridX uh, GmbH, um, we're a, a German-based energy management service provider uh, with a clear vision of, of making 100% clean energy affordable and reliable for everybody. So we've been in this space, um, started off in Germany about six to seven years ago and uh, been in the home energy space primarily, but also expanded a bit towards um, EV charging, so charging point operators and fleet charging, and now um, expanding to to other uh, regional markets in Europe. So quite active in the space for the last couple of years in the HEMS as well as the EV space. What does your products actually, like what are they doing, uh, solving the issue or what are they doing actually, your products? Um, so we do know that uh, I think European grids and, and European homes themselves are pushing more and more towards this uh, concept known as electrification, which is basically trying to take up all of our conventional energy assets and then substituting them with with electricity devices, right? So devices that run, so for example, an electric vehicle instead of the or conventional ice vehicle or a heat pump in, in, uh, as opposed to conventional gas boiler. Uh, the thing is when you, when you uh, switch towards electrification, it is on one side super good from a sustainability standpoint because you're reducing the emissions uh, produced by the devices themselves. But on the other side, it is then uh, putting a huge load on this uh, mega machine that we operate called the electricity grid. And um, so such a mega machine, the more the load you put on it, the more unstable it becomes. And so it needs some sort of regulation or it needs some sort of regulator. Um, uh, this is basically done using on, on the um, farthest end on the consumer side using these smart algorithms. So what, what we do as GridX is basically write these algorithms, which then um, are then introduced into your homes by an IOT, IoT device. And then these algorithms, basically what they do is they optimize the energy flows between your house. So if you've got a PV, you've got an electric vehicle, you've got a heat pump, you basically want to make sure that your electricity that is produced by your PV is used as much as possible uh, for your home devices so that you, you know, you're, you're promoting the energy transition. And so that's what, exactly what we do uh, by, by using these uh, algorithms. Yeah, uh, that's what I became familiar when I was getting home charging station. I don't have solar panels in the picture yet, at least. But uh, yeah, the, there was a lot of warnings that the, it might be because it's a heavy load to the home grid already that I might face mm-hmm. challenges. But luckily, my house has a very strong fuses, let's say, that I don't need any load management at the moment. But if I would have solar panels, it would change the picture a lot. 
So yeah, this kind of uh, energy management is getting very uh, relevant nowadays when the energy demand is increasing uh, through the electric vehicles, for example. Also, the people are getting solar panels, home energy storages, and soon vehicles can give the power also the house. And some of them already can. Uh, and also, the in a big picture, when we think the power grid, I think uh, many countries are currently like looking very carefully into the power grid situation because it changes the behavior and how the energy is consumed and the load absolutely. quite significantly. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And and maybe just a quick background on that power grid, especially, you know, the the European grid is, is quite special, you know, in the sense that it is a um, completely synchronous grid covering 20 to 25 European countries. I think at one point it was even one of the largest synchronous grids uh, in the world. And and uh, it has to and it's special is because it has to maintain this frequency in which electricity is delivered right from the generators to the end users right that's 50 hertz um, and and it has to supply this reliably so the reliability standard for the European grid is quite large quite amazing I think it's somewhere on 99.99 percent reliability standard that has to be maintained which means you know less than two to three hours of of, of uh, blackouts or brownouts are allowed uh, in your homes. By, by law. Um, so supplying this electricity reliably to about 400, 450 million uh, European citizens uh, is, is quite the feat. And, and um, this, is, this, is, this is really, really difficult to manage as, as more and more of these distributed energy devices um, get into the grid, right? So you've got the uh, PV, you've got the uh, rooftop solar, basically the, the electric vehicles, heat pumps, um, all of these devices, the batteries, they um, are electrical devices that put more and more load the more you install them, uh, both on the utility level as well as on the demand side, on the uh, household level. And, and I think um, the, the latest figures show that somewhere between now and 2030, you're going to have an increase in about 50 to 60% of these devices, which means you know millions of these devices coming online. And with the and this isn't just a specific to the European grid, but most of our grids are quite old, right? So built in the 1940s, 50s, or even older, um, in in um, really really in in a desperate need to to be uh, refurbished, maintained, retrofitted, um, and so the the primary need of of the energy transition right now is to basically put in uh, investments into into resurrecting this grid and then reinforcing them to to handle these um, millions of devices coming online. It's an interesting challenge for the grid. Like at the same time, there's a lot of these small sources affecting and also the renewable energies bringing on challenge to the grid at the same time. So interesting challenge for those who are taking care of the grid remains as reliable as it is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that is the ambition as well from the regulators, right? So you've got this uh, uh, parent regulator it's in the EU level, it's called the um, ACER, A-C-E-R. Um, and then they are responsible for then setting down the guidelines as to, okay, this is what's going to happen for the next five to 10 years. And then they hand this over to the uh, transmission system operators who then also have their own organization, really, really popularly known as the ENSOE. Um, all of them then come together to, to basically put their expertise into um, maintaining, operating, and then also expanding the grid um, over, over, the, um, over the European Union, um, accelerating these, these projects that, that have to be 
you know, where, where green energy has to be bought on, on, on a rapid scale, uh, plan for this in the long term, and, and also basically um, um, uh, support all of these uh, distribution and, and uh, uh, transmission and distribution level networks that, that then run all the way to, from, the generation, from the generation plants to the end user's home. Rika had some insights on the, how is the power demand actually increasing? I agree that grid capacity and resilience are now front and center. We're not just talking about keeping the lights on here. It's also about ensuring that the infrastructure can handle the additional load from so many EVs plugging in at the same time. Uh, the rise in EV numbers is, of course, leading to rise in electricity demand. By 2030, the grid should be able to handle 60% more in electricity demand. And as Kedar mentioned previously also, that uh, the infrastructure in Europe, most of them are very old. So uh, there's a plan to invest around 500 billion uh, to renew that infrastructure and to make some new ones. So we can make sure that uh, the grid can handle this 60 percent more of electricity demand by 2030. Let's go more towards the, the kind of the household area where you guys operate in the houses and locations, not so much on the grid level. And uh, what are you seeing like the biggest challenges? Like you guys are working there a lot. Uh, there is now the vehicle to grid is coming. Uh, energy storage, small energy storages are entering to the areas. What do you see the biggest challenges there at the moment? Great question. Uh, I think the biggest challenge to us as an energy management uh, provider is the fact that we need to provide an, an energy management system that is low cost, but also high value, right? That's I think that's the that's the ultimate dream for any provider out there, uh, minimizing on costs, but then maximizing on value. And, and the way we do that is basically try to provide a system that can connect to as wide a variety of asset as both asset class as possible, you know, all of the different EVs, the EV charging stations, the, the batteries, the heat pumps, uh, they all have, they are all super diverse. And then we want to have a system that connects to all of them, you know, a white label solution. We can then communicate with all of them and then optimize all of these energy flows between the devices themselves, because a householder, a, a house owner, what he uh, wants ultimately is basically to, to uh, pay as less as possible on his electricity bill. So that's cost savings is basically the, the primary focus for any homeowner out there, you, me, and Enrica included. Um, and so one of the, the biggest challenges we see is basically uh, integrating the system as more and more and more assets emerge uh, with more and more technologies and more and more communication protocols out there. Uh, I think, um, the, the I wouldn't say the biggest challenge, but the biggest focus out there uh, right now is basically, like I mentioned earlier, funding, um, you know, bringing in the incentives to then um, uh, to then enable this um, um, purchase and, and buying of, of these energy assets. Um, also, on the other hand, regulation, which then has to be enforced, uh, which I think the Europe, Europe is doing a good job at already. And, and also, more importantly, from the EU perspective, uh, having this sort of uh, uh, de-escalating this dependency that that uh, not just Europe, but the entire world has on, on uh, China in terms of the uh, sheer knowledge and technology uh, skills that they possess. So that would be a um, major challenge, not just for us as an energy management provider, but for all of the energy 
the European and American energy firms out there. Yeah, that, that must be actually, I can see that there could be a challenge, like uh, I'm thinking like, let's say that uh, we want to manage the energy in the house and for example, the heat pump in my house, uh, I was studying it, I was planning to have it kind of uh, controlled a bit better, that it could reduce the heating, for example, in certain situations and when the certain uh, spot market price or whatever, or the whole load in the house is too high. But mm -hmm. I found out that my heat pump doesn't actually really have an interface for any system to communicate with it. So uh, are you guys working then with different manufacturers kind of to establish that there is the interfaces and the devices that they can be controlled from outside systems? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then the heat pump really is, is an exciting asset class that you that you just spoke about today. I think most of us think it's going to be the asset of the decade because it is such a huge contributor to, to you know, um, reducing the emissions of a building. I think the single largest contributor to a building emission is, is the heating system itself. Uh, and so um, you're absolutely right in the sense that um, talking to so many different assets means having touch points with a lot of different uh, original equipment manufacturers or OEMs as they're called. Uh, because each one of them have their own uh, individual interface, have their own requirements, have their own constraints, and and having a solution that then um, provides this abstraction layer between these different assets um, and the energy management logic itself is quite quite the um, complicated task. But yes, that is exactly what we work on 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 one end. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, the, like electric vehicles, they are already built and designed to communicate with external platforms, at least in most of them. But then the heat pumps are older generation of technology, which were not required yet to communicate so much with the external systems. Absolutely, yes. Um, and this is where I think EVs have made a, a quite a bit of progress because um, uh, of having these uh, underlying protocols and, and um, um, these uh, communication methods, like uh, I think one of the most famous one is the uh, OCPP, Open Charge Point Protocol, which is basically then acting as this abstraction layer, like I mentioned. Um, and also the EABUS, uh, or EBUS, as it is called, um, I think, uh, which basically promotes the, the um, standardizing of, of this language between spoken between different energy assets uh, and, and also the um, the, the larger transmission system operators, right? So basically having one common unified language where uh, data can be sent from one end to the other and, and commands can be sent from one end to the other. Yeah, and then uh, like in energy management, something which is kind of raising, I've seen like a lot of topics and I also got like offer for this kind of home battery energy storage solution. Uh, how do you see them actually? Are, do you think they will get more popular on myself uh, when I was making a calculation of the offer I got, uh, I couldn't make it financially reasonable, but uh, I believe the prices are going down and they probably start getting more common. Mm -hmm. um, and a great question. Once again, I, I wouldn't want to comment too much on the pricing because I'm, I'm not a pricing expert myself, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, I simply, yeah. simply speaking on the pure logic itself. Uh, there is no way that a battery is not going to become more uh, in demand uh, with these with the escalation of of the installations of PV systems, right? Because fundamentally speaking, 
the the with with especially with decentralized energy generation like solar the time when energy is produced and the time when the energy is consumed is are totally different you know because you produce during the daytime and you consume during the nighttime which means that you are not going to have instantaneous production production and consumption so you're not going to meet supply and demand basically and so you're going to have to have a buffer which then stores this electricity when it's produced and then discharges it when it's consumed uh, when when it's needed to be consumed and that's that's what the battery fulfills right and and uh, it is only going to get more in demand as more pv systems are installed because of um, simple supply and demand and that is also another reason why evs themselves are becoming um more popular in their dual usage of of um uh, charging and discharging their battery um v2g v2h uh, v2x basically um as as more and more evs are sold yeah there are actually we have discussed this in the other episodes also and what i'm a little bit skeptic on like the evs as kind of balancing is uh, two aspects is that like you say that Let's say you have solar panels and the most of the energy is produced of or all of it is during the daytime and most you need in the night when it gets cooler and so on uh but on the other hand you need the car to be fully charged probably in the morning when you are leaving the house to work and so on and the other thing what i see is that do the people really want to use the this recharge cycles of the, their car battery for balancing because it will cut down the lifetime and nobody actually has reliable statistics yet how different type of mm -hmm. batteries new type of batteries will last that a uh, great question once again and that is i think where also an energy management system like what gridx is developing comes into play uh because what we're talking about here is i think one step before uh, i think the the most popular phrase used is called smart charging you know the 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 aim of smart charging is not only to maximize the benefit to the user but also to the grid right so you're going to have uh, the car uh, dynamically adjusting the way it charges as uh, on the basis of different indicators one of them being like you said you know the house the homeowner says hey i want to go to the office at 8 a.m which means i need to have a car with x percentage of charge how do we know that we just ask okay what's the range that you expect to drive on on a certain amount of on a certain day or on an average day and then we basically adjust the way the car is charged overnight for example um now a days what is also happening is you're also having uh, these external factors for example the grid operator says that hey i'm going to charge you lesser if you charge during a specific period of time which means that the energy management system also has to take into account the tariffs the prices that come in and say okay to to make the most benefit for my homeowner i charge when it's cheap uh, when there's cheap electricity being provided from the grid and of course there's the other one where you know when there's a great congestion that's happening then i do not charge um also when i do notice that there is too much electrical consumption happening i also do not want to blow my fuse so i think this sort of dynamic smart charging depends on a lot of uh, internal as well as external indicators and and um that is what is going to basically be um incorporated by the energy management system when it takes a decision because you're absolutely right ultimately we do not want to degrade the lifetime of of the ev battery um but i think this is being considered as as a top priority when whenever um we use such of any such energy management decisions for the homeowners yeah yeah that is true like the like 
power comp- uh, grid uh, companies who operate there to produce the power and sell it. Like in uh, Finland, it's increasingly more popular to pay per spot price. Uh, so market price per hour changing. So same day your electricity one hour can cost three cents per kilowatt hour, but uh, and then in the later in the same day you pay forty five cents per kilowatt hour. So definitely, kind of all the energy management systems are probably getting very welcome, and it's easier to justify the cost uh, when the prices are fluctuating that much. True. True, absolutely, and and it is only once you do this successfully, once you once you have uh, this process optimized and honed, that when you can even think about the next step, which is then what you to come talk about is bidirectional charging, right? Which is then not only charging from the grid but also supporting the grid when you want uh, or when you when you need to, when there is a, a, a lack of supply and increase in demand, for example. And and that is where then you also need to have the second part of this entire V to G concept, which is then scale, because you cannot have one, a hundred, or even a thousand cars uh, um, that are enough for such such kinds of of demand response systems as they are called. You need to have uh, thousands or hundreds of thousands of of electric vehicle batteries that are synchronously contributing. Uh, back to the grid, and and again, that is also where a um, an energy management system helps in in coordinating all of them together. Yeah, this also like yeah, we discussed this in uh, one of our episodes that uh, yeah, there's more kind of uh, if every household is independent power also provider for the grid, it is a huge challenge because it's more unpredictable. So yeah, like you said, it needs that it would be much bigger virtual power plant basically. Uh, which can be centrally controlled. Precisely, precisely. Going back to GridX, uh, who are your customers? I mean, uh, we heard already that uh, you are in EV charging and you are also uh, bringing a management system to homeowners, but uh, can you expand more about your customers? Sure. Um, in, in a very broad scope, um, we are at our heart a B2B company, which means we sell um, our products to uh, a, a wide variety of energy suppliers, you know, people who um, or companies who are um, utilities themselves or companies who are uh, large scale suppliers of decentralized energy systems, for example, or companies who are charge point operators who are basically then installing these charging stations uh, or, or charging stations all across Europe. So all of these providers have um, have a direct touch point with the end user, which is then a homeowner, right? And all of them want um, only one thing for their homeowners. Basically, then that is maximum benefit in terms of costs and maximum benefits in terms of um, emissions, that is carbon dioxide reduced per kilowatt hour of electricity. And so what we do is then we um, actively participate with, uh, with all of our customers in trying to understand what is the need of the uh, market, the home energy market uh, at this particular point of time. And then based on these needs, uh, we then, of course, come up with our own um, um, uh, long term roadmap as to features and and, uh, solutions that we want to offer as part of our Critex product, which is then this energy management platform called Sanon, where then uh, this is directly then um, sold to our customers and then who then bring it to the end users home. Um, in the form of a smart IoT device that then talks to all of your assets and then coordinates them using energy management logic. Okay, thanks for the explanation. 
Um, one more question from me. As an energy enthusiast, what are the major trends that you are excited about? Or what are the emerging technology that you are looking forward to? Oh, great question. Um, I think, like I mentioned earlier, one of the um, assets of the year or assets of the decade itself is the heat pump. Um, purely because it's such a uh, complex asset, uh, which can then, which has the potential to contribute so much to to uh, reducing the emissions of, of uh, our buildings. This is um, talking to a heat pump or communicating or optimizing a heat pump is is um, one of the most fascinating topics that we we have had the honor of working on in Gridex. And, and uh, we're looking forward to in the upcoming years as more and more regulations uh, kick in, more and more people are incentivized to buy more heat pumps, install more heat pumps. Um, another major trend that is currently happening is, is as mentioned by Kari, uh, this whole dynamic tariff effect where, you know, where countries are bringing in so much uh, renewable generation on the utility scale that they have to then um, adjust the price as to when more solar, more solar is being generated, then incentivize the people to buy more by by reducing the price of electricity. So having a smart system that then consumes more with uh, greener electricity is also um, a major trend that we're looking to uh, catch up with. Uh, and um, also another trend that I've I've loved reading about, especially from the EV context, that could be really useful for for the, for your listeners is this That's concept cool. of fleet charging. Um, which is basically then having, you know, saying that, hey, instead of having every individual focusing on every individual homeowner, we try to focus on the companies who have fleets of cars, like, you know, the uh, like the Ubers or the Amazons, who then want to migrate en masse towards electric vehicles. And if they do have, for example, a thousand electric vehicles that are on the road every day and have to charge every night in these parking lots, how do you coordinate this charging? Um, so that is another trend that is uh, probably a really low-hanging fruit because it's much more easier to sell a thousand EVs to or a thousand electric vans to one Amazon as opposed to a thousand different homeowners. Um, and and like I mentioned, I think one trend that I'm really looking forward to or one change that I'm really looking forward to is how companies will adapt uh, when they realize that they cannot go to China for for everything. Uh, how are we going to localize uh, the production of electric vehicles? How are we going to localize the production of batteries, uh, heat pumps? Um, how do we make use of, of materials that are found in abundance in our geography as opposed to importing them? How do we shift the, the technologies over uh, from China over to the Europe or over to the US? How do we then develop a workforce that are then proficient in, in working with these technologies? And then how do we localize everything so that basically we reduce the costs of the technology themselves? Um, I think these are the upcoming trends that, uh, and of course, challenges, like you mentioned, that that we should be looking forward to, or I am looking forward to it, definitely. Yeah, the, this uh, discussion is in the very core of the kind of what is happening now. And you guys obviously have a very much currently uh, opportunities where you can utilize your product and it will be growing exponentially, not only in Europe, but all over the world. Europe probably is in a head kind of this kind of green energy <laughs> and uh, alternative power sources and so on. But definitely Absolutely. it's going to be growing in no. elsewhere also. You're right. You're right. I think in terms of uh, EV uptake, I think the EU is second only to China. 
but i think in terms of uptake of other technologies i think um the us especially with its uh, with the ira that that was released last year was um i think has completely turned the game uh um upon its head with with the massive uh push towards localizing um localizing manufacturing right and and providing uh, these incentive tax credits for for localizing manufacturing and supply chains because i think when you look at the numbers it is so so staggering you know how much of of the technology is localized to china or exported to china at the time uh, the time being you know 25 to 50% of battery mining of mineral mining uh, 50 to 75% of of uh, processing of the materials 75 to 80% of the battery cell uh, manufacturing and and i think overall 40 to 50% of global ev production is is happening in one country right now and um just diversifying from that um would would bring down hopefully in the, in the long run of course in the short term you might expect price escalations but in the long term bring down prices so much that you know people are just um more and more incentivized to go out there and and try these uh, electric technologies out you know try out a heat pump try out an electric vehicle and and see the change it brings to themselves yeah i think the last winter uh in europe uh, raised a lot of interest of the homeowners to upgrade their let's say the heat pumps and heating systems to more modern and more efficient ones when the energy prices mm-hmm. spiked for a moment absolutely i think um especially that was especially felt in the heating systems right because um europe is dependent heavily on on gas heating i think oh that is close to i think 25 to 30% of of uh um european gas came from russia which was then suddenly uh, over a period of 6 to 12 months just completely bought down to zero um which then meant you had to have an alternative uh, of course we um europe looked to other uh, countries for providing uh, this these buffers of of gas especially the us with its uh, lng but um that just sort of accelerated a lot of things simultaneously um including the push towards heat pumps i think which is why uh, as a part of um uh, the massive incentives that are coming out in germany the heat pumps and the evs are uh, especially focused on because i think these two devices um especially reduce the dependency on on natural gas and the dependency on on fuels uh, in general um so that is i think why um last winter i think was was uh, also relatively um stable in the sense that it wasn't such a harsh winter but we cannot hope for that uh, luck every every year so which is why the push uh, towards um, decentralized green alternative electric electric electrical assets is only going to get more and more intensive yeah huge market potential there and yeah thank you for joining us today uh kedar thank you so much for having me here uh, rika kari uh, great great to share my insights a special offer for our listeners We are giving you full access to statistics for 30 days by registering at statson.com with the code statson spelled in uppercase s t a t z o n. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Visit our website and get our tech 360 newsletters. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe, recommend the podcast to your colleagues, friends and family and follow us on social media.